Hi, I'm Scott. And I'm Seth. And we are track walking. Hi, Colton. What's up, Scott? (laughs) (laughs) I usually like have an introduction. So Colton's been racing GLTC here for two seasons. This is my second full season, yeah. Um, And uh, Colton and I have kind of been talking we've been hanging out we've been high-fiving and butt slapping as we go and um and colton's kind of made some interesting changes uh that have been noticeable and i kind of want to talk about them. but first colton are you still wearing that same sweatshirt that you had on like two weeks ago leave me alone about the so the sweatshirt i i shit you not i had to go buy a new one because I wore the old one out. Already? How long have you had this, it? The, the pocket, like the pocket where it's stitched on was coming apart. The neck was all getting all like fuzzy. So I had to go buy a new one because I wore the old one completely out. It's got pockets. Um, yeah. Well, I guess you got your money's worth. I don't know. <laughs> you apparently wear it plenty. I, I live in this thing, man. I, it's it's. I'm sure I'm going to need another one before the season's over. Maybe talk to talk to Chris. Maybe he'll make you a deal on like a five pack or something. <laughs> Bulk I discount. As box of grid life hoodies, please. Yeah. So, yeah, you kind of came into existence for me at the beginning of last year and before that I really I really don't know much of your background other than like you're you're kind of okay to hang out with from time to time um yeah all the yeah and and you're you're the guy who proposed to his wife again in front of a bunch of race car people that's right that's right actually you guys were all you guys all played big parts in making that happen um but as far as my background goes, um, I've always, I just grew up a big car enthusiast. Um, I, I grew up working on, um, a collection of Corvettes that my dad had when I was younger. And that just kind of sparked the enthusiast side of things for me. Um, and I, I owned a few, you know, enthusiast kind of cars. I was a big SRT four guy in high school, yes. which to say now, but that car was a riot. Turbo Dodges. Uh, yeah, so I, I just um, I've always been around cars. I've enjoyed um, I've enjoyed owning them, driving them. Uh, never really got into the track scene uh, until the last couple of years. Uh, I still had that SRT four in, in uh, college, and I took it to a few autocross days. Um, but other than that, that was my only previous experience before I started DE um, with what eventually became my race car. Um, I think that was 2017 was my first track day. Um, I started with NASA and kind of was straddling the fence, going to NASA and grid life events. And, um, when I was exposed to GLTC for the first time, that's really when I knew where I wanted to take it. Hmm. What, first of all, what happened to the neon? 
Um, Scott, Scott wants one. Real, just, you know. real hard hitting questions here. Uh, you're breaking my heart, dude. I've uh, such a sore subject. Uh, so it was the 2005 commemorative edition one. Okay. I one thirteen. It was the white one with the blue Viper stripes, and mine had like the um, blue Viper seats in it as well. Oh, it was yeah. super cool. And I had a couple of the. Um, actually, I took it all the way through the the quote unquote Mopar stage one, two, and three build. Oh yeah. So it made. I can't remember the actual numbers on it, but I think it was like four hundred and twenty to the wheels. And <laughs> the torque, the torque here on that thing alone was just undrivable. Yes. Um, but I, life kind of got in the way, and um, I got into a spot uh, when I was in college where um, I kind of I could only afford to have one car, and I really needed something that was a little bit had a little bit more utility for it. So I I ended up buying an SUV and traded that in on it, um, and I just <laughs> I miss that yeah. car every day. I hate even talking about it. Yeah, yeah, that, that yeah. makes me sad too. <laughs> Worse, uh, I sold it to a guy that lived in Nashville. I was living down in Knoxville at the time, um, and a few weeks after I sold it, I I caught rumors. I was never able to confirm it, but I caught rumors that it was caught in a flood. So best I can best I can guess, that car doesn't exist anymore. Uh, all right. So you took care of it for years, and then it died. <laughs> Yeah, like immediately after I left my possession. <laughs> well, maybe it didn't want to live beyond Colton either. Well, maybe somebody salvaged it and turned it into a track car. Who knows? Yeah. That would be the best alternative. Yeah, those motors aren't expensive. So. No, they're, they're a, a rip to drive, man. They're so much fun. Yeah. So, you grew up working on corvettes with your dad were you just like wrenching on corvettes to hang out with your dad were you wrenching on them to flip them was he racing these what what were you guys actually doing started off his very first one was a, a 1969 stingray that he bought back when you could get them for really really cheap um i think it was the, the early 90s like 91 or 1990 when he bought it um but it was most of the time it was just, you know, that, that one, that one Corvette turned into, I think he bought like a 67, um, a few years later. And then he had a couple C fives over the years. Uh, and really it was just like the car would need something. And my dad would ask me to come help. And that's what we'd go do for the afternoon or whatever. Um, and it, you know, it wasn't like we were constantly working on them all the time, but, um, that was really like just maintaining those cars uh, was my first exposure to like the car scene, if you want to call it that. Mm. So you used to work on these Corvettes and now you have a guy who works on your race car for you. Yes. <laughs> so yeah. was, was there, was, yeah. Was, was there a time when you're just like, screw it, I'm done wrenching. I don't want to do that part of it anymore. Well, actually, it got the reason. The reason I ended up bringing Rob into the picture um, to help me with the race car was because when I decided I wanted to take it racing, I had taken it as far as my technical ability could take it in my garage at home. Um, as far as like, but I was maintaining street cars. 
uh, as far as building and engineering a race car, I had absolutely no idea what I was going to have to do with that thing um, to make it competitive in a field like GLTC. Uh, not to mention, um, rather than buying a shell and and you know building a race car from that, I bought a street car and built backwards into a race car. Um, which, by the way, kids, if you're listening to this and you want to build a race car don't buy a damn street car and try to turn it into a, a race car. It's the most expensive, frustrating way to do it. I promise. Um, but I bought that car to be, a, a essentially just a track car. I gutted it and put a roll bar in it. Um, and, uh, put an aftermarket suspension on it. But, uh, I, I really had no idea that I was going to take it wheel to wheel racing when I bought it. That's just kind of how things evolved. Sure. What do you, what do you do for work? I don't even know like what your what your actual thing is. Well, it's it's starting to become racing the more time goes by. Um, but for my full time job, I own a construction company uh, here in Columbus. Um, we specialize in uh, multifamily and mixed use construction. Nice. So you're like we build one? student housing, that fun stuff. Nice. All right. Um, and you said that you were kind of straddling the whole NASA grid life culture thing. So I assume you're yeah. kind of working your way up through the NASA ladder, so to speak. What, again, like I'm not like having you pick sides, but what was it about one or the other that kind of landed you where you are? Um, really the, the, deciding moment for me was when I decided, um, that I wanted to go wheel to wheel racing. And I was essentially at the exact same time I was exposed to GLTC and I just fell in love with the variety in the field. Um, and the, the super diverse builds, um, just immediately like visually attracted me. Um, and beyond that, uh, getting to see such a, a big field of, uh, builds like that and racing with with such close parity um I, I mean i was just i was just immediately attracted to it but uh back to the nasa and grid life thing um the nasa de program in my opinion was exceptional um and i don't know if it's like that in all of their um in in all their areas across the country um what, what region were you in well, I was, I was gonna, I was getting to, I was in the Great Lakes region, uh, being here in Ohio. Yep. Uh, and their program specifically, NASA Great Lakes, their DE program is just top notch. They've got some really sharp instructors. Um, and I think even more importantly than that, the structure of their DE program is just, um, it's, it's incredibly focused on making you a fast driver. Um, and the way they kind of stage uh, the the progression of of high performance driving, um, it's just really fluid and it comes together really well and it's easy to understand. Um, but at the same time, um, when I got to the higher levels of their DE program, I think I was in DE three at the time. Um, was when I went to my first Grid Life event. Um, I was in like the intermediate DE or whatever, and I had a great time. It was a good weekend. It was at mid Ohio in the wet. Um, yeah. so it was fun watching all the DE guys flop around like fish out of water. Um, but 
that was when I got to see my first GLTC race as well. Um, and I, and I can, I can say handedly that I was, um, not as impressed with the grid life BE program, you know, being there uh, as a part of it. Um, but when I saw the wheel, to wheel event that they put on, I was like, Holy crap. I know what I want to do from this point on with my car. Like, this is what I want to go do. Um, so I spent another year and a half in BE and started kind of building the car in that direction. Um, and I think my first uh, my first year run, running GLTC was 2020. So were you that Mid Ohio event? Was that the first Grid Life or the first Touring Cup weekend ever, or was that the second year? Um, I guess I wasn't around for Grid Life's first year or GLTC's first year. Okay, awesome. second uh, year. I, yeah, second year. Um, well, I guess, how old's GLTC? How long has the field been racing? This is its fourth season. Okay, One, so two, it would three, have been... Four. Yeah, this is the fourth season. Yeah, so I was at Mid-Ohio in 2019, if I remember correctly. Okay. So it would have been second season. Yep, gotcha. Makes sense. Adds up. Um, so when, when you were running with NASA, um, my experience with NASA in Texas is similar to yours and that the DE program was phenomenal. Um, and I got up to doing time trial. Um, but when I got to their race classes, the only interesting race classes to me were spec classes. And so if you didn't like Miatas or Mustangs, um, you were driving in like weird little four car fields that had terrible racing in them. And I was going to ask you what, what the racing in that region was like. We, I saw similar things. It's, it's funny you say that because that's kind of what turned me off from going like the S the super touring direction with my car. You know, there were some events where there was a decent sized field and there were some other events where there was like four cars out there. Um, and sometimes the racing between those four cars was good. And sometimes it was like, they were all, you know, a half a lap apart. Um, it was just, it just didn't look all that fun to me. Um, I will say if you show up to a NASA weekend and they've got a good Camaro Mustang challenge field out there, that looks like a freaking riot. I would love to do something like that someday and have like a, like, like a Pontiac build or something that just sounds epic. Um, but definitely when I was exposed to, to the grid life and NASA, um, racing series, I think the, I think the racing on track even into time attack um is better in, with grid life and you said that the the de program and nasa great lakes is kind of known far and wide for having quite the program and kind of being the place to go learn about how to structure a good development program and you, you mentioned grid life's um de stuff and i've always or i've i guess i've found that the two tend to be doing different things where grid life seems to be selling more fun and safety um with a little bit of training a little bit of you know help here and there uh especially in the beginner program but the nasa de stuff is designed to get you into racing is how it seems. Was that your experience or what, what did you see there? That is, I, I couldn't have said it better myself. Um, the 
and I've only been a part of grid life's DE weekends like two or three times. So I haven't been like super engrossed in it. Sure. But, um, yeah, I think, I think the, the grid life HPDE scene is, is big on safety, which I love. Um, it's big on fun, which I love. Um, but my experience was that I was always wondering what the, what the focus was, um, other than just becoming, you know, faster on in like a track day setting. Um, and you still have that in the NASA DE program with great lakes as well. Uh, but once you get into DE two, um, you know, they start asking you questions about, you know, what do you want to do after DE? Um, do you have any, you know, racing aspirations? Do you have time attack aspirations? Do you want to just be really fast at DE and have super fast track days? which I don't know if you guys have ever seen their HPDE four guys out on track, but those guys are lightning fast. They're, they're the guys that are, are, you know, super qualified to go time attack or go wheel to wheel competitively. Uh, we just want to go have, you know, track days and they are fast. Um, they're what we would call fast as racers. Um, but early on in the, in the NASA DE program, um, they, they start asking you which direction you want to go. And then once you get into DE three, um, they, they really start to tailor the curriculum to, um, creating racers out of their DE program. Yeah. And that's, that, that's been a kind of a quiet secret in grid life is like really like one of the best groups is advanced because you get, the most track time of any group, certainly time tech, certainly more than GLTC and they're fast. They're legit quick. Now, granted, like they're not necessarily going to wheel to wheel, even though, you know, there are some memes to that effect. Um, but it's like, if you just want seat time and you just want to go fast and yeah, keep track of lap times, that's fine. But like, that's, that's the place Becky and I actually did, uh, the first season of GLTC before GLTC raced at Autobahn, we just went to Autobahn for one of their track battle weekends, and we used the advanced. Um, we were in the advanced session to do testing, and we got all the testing done that weekend. It is exposed seat time, which is super nice. Yeah. And and by the time you've gotten to some level of, of advanced DE, um, you know you you've been in whatever program that may be long enough to really sharpen some skills. And a lot of those guys are, you know, they've not only, they've not only got fast and sometimes really well prepped cars, but they've got the technical ability to to back it up as well. For sure. So you came into GLTC wanting to do wheel to wheel. What was your initial goal or desire in competing what, what did you want to get out of it? Oof. Um, competition wasn't so much on my mind uh, last year as, as like my full rookie season, um, especially given that my first GLTC event, you know, was putting my at the end of the season previous was me putting my car on the wall at Road America um, on that re- really rainy Road America weekend, um, which was, you know, it, it started off as a mechanical issue, but at the time I was fairly confident that, you know, somebody with, um, with a, you know, more, more driving abilities than myself would have been able to save that car. So 
the the next season, uh, I don't want to say I started out timid, but I didn't want to have I didn't want to set any like really competitive goals for myself. I really just wanted to start, you know, getting more comfortable in the car, getting more comfortable in the field, um, and kind of start to develop my own brand of racecraft. Uh, but more, most importantly, I just wanted to go out and have fun and, and run clean races and, and be safe. Um, so I, I, I guess my goal for myself in my first full season was, um, to run clean races. And I think I, I really accomplished that and it, it, it set me up well to focus on being a little bit more competitive this year. I'd forgotten. I remembered that you hit the wall. I forgot that that was your first weekend. <laughs> Yeah, that was literally my GLTC debut, which could not have gone worse, I don't think. How? Yeah, I don't want to gloss over that because that seems significant. That's <laughs> <laughs> significant. It was, yeah. I'm still feeling. <laughs> um, We're waiting schedule on the build and my development because of that incident. Sure. What? Um. Yeah, talk me through that. Like coming into the weekend, having that happen, aftermath. Like what? Tell Oof. me. Um, man, I, I've, I've done, I've done so much, uh, to try to like, just move on from that. But, uh, really I remember being nervous that weekend. Um, not because I, I wasn't, you know, confident that I could hang with the field and mess around in the back of the pack and, and get my like, uh, provisional license signed off on. But I was, I was nervous because the weather was so bad and I'd had so much, you know, little experience in the rain. Um, had you driven road America prior to that? Yeah, I had been there with DE two seasons before. So okay. I had like third or fourth weekend, um, at some sort of track day at road America. So okay. one thing I was actually feeling good about was for as little, um, racing experiences I had, I'd been to road America pretty frequently. So I was, I was confident in my ability to just drive the track, but uh, in the wet, it's a different animal. And my experience in the wet was pretty limited at the time. Um, but I remember being nervous about the the conditions. Um, but at the same time, I mean, I wrecked the car in practice. So, I mean, <laughs> I didn't get very far in the end. Um, but it was, it was a torrential downpour during practice. And I, once I actually got out there and I turned a couple of laps, I was feeling you know, relatively confident in, in the conditions, I was just going really, really slow. Um, and then the car just had a panic attack and I didn't know how to handle it at the time. And, um, we had a lot of, uh, electrical system failures and, uh, driver assist failures from the, from the streetcar components that we still had on the car, um, which is really what threw me off. And I ended up putting it into the wall outside of turn seven, I think. Or inside of turn seven, rather. Yeah, yeah, it's a pretty common area, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, the, really, the as much as it sucked, the the rebuild, it was you know relative. It was expensive, but all all the stuff was rep- repairable. We didn't we didn't have any frame damage, nothing that we were going to have to write the car off for. So it was just it it was. <laughs> The cost of entry for me to get a full season of GLTC in was a little bit steeper than I anticipated and took a little bit more time than I thought it would. Yeah. <laughs> racing is expensive. Who knew? Yeah, racing can be a son of a bitch sometime. I, I mean, I just got 
I'm, I'm just coming off of a, what was a really good weekend for us. And it ended in just complete heartbreak um, at, at Atlanta Motorsports Park a couple weekends ago. So there's, there's super highs and super lows and they can be compressed into a span of two days in one tiny little compact GLTC weekend. I mean, we're, we're going to get there. Um, don't jump ahead, but we're, we're going to talk about that. Uh, be honest. That's, that's a lot, a lot of the reason I wanted to talk to you. Um, so, and, and your wet weather experience and your timidness in wet weather, um, the next time you raced in the rain, were you having flashbacks? Like, was it just straight up nerves? What What was going through your head? Well, um, I I don't. I want to say I had flashbacks, but it was certainly in the back of my mind. Um, you know, you we're all we're all racing on a budget to some degree. Uh, I can't afford to be rebuilding my car every year, and you know, it's not like we get practiced in the wet every weekend that we go race. Um, so, which is too I, bad. I, I will I say that, uh, if anything, um, you know, weekends in the wet, even if I'm not going to be as competitive as I would like, um, keeping the car under control and going out and just pushing a little bit more and a little bit more and trying a few new things here and there. Uh, I think, I think running in the wet is some of the most beneficial seat time you can get. Um, no, I, the next time we we raced in the rain, I think it was at Mid Ohio, um, which is where I've had most of my wet condition drive time. Um, good place to have it. I mean, it is just as it's it's just diving in feet first. Uh, it's out of the frying pan and into the fryer. Um, but I remember being nervous my my next time in the rain, um, unlike the out lap. Um, but I kind of eased myself into that race, gave up spots really easy and just kind of ran my own race and tried to give everybody room and, and uh, get to know the car a little bit more. And that's kind of what I do every wet race is just kind of learn my equipment a little bit more and, and learn my abilities a little bit more. Um, but I, I, I think my next rain race was relatively relatively good in my opinion and they've all gotten better since then so it's definitely a discipline that i'm getting better and better at what what do your nerve your nerves look like like how does your stress and anxiety actually play out are you talking to yourself are you is it exhibited do you have symptoms in your body what what's that i definitely have the body symptoms the the butterflies and the like the the pins and needles feelings in your fingertips. But I think a lot of that, you know, in, in, in the right conditions and, um, with the, the technical ability to back up the nerves kind of, uh, when you have to perform, um, I think those, those can all be good things. Um, but I, I tend to get quiet when I'm, when I'm nervous, if you will. Uh, I start to like get super focused and uh, stop kind of listening to people around me. And I just get like laser focused on what's coming up, uh, which 
can sometimes be a bad thing. You need to be relaxed, which is something that I've really tried to do the last couple seasons in GLTC. It's just, you know, not, not, not focus so much on the results that I want, but focus on running a good race and, and pushing myself, but keeping it under control. Um, but like I said, I think nerves can be a good thing. Is there, is there a way you've found that you've been able to calm yourself? Yeah. Um, honestly, I think the best thing to do that's helped me calm down is just, is just more experience going out and doing it. Um, the more seat time I get, the more I feel like I'm just going out there for business every time I get in the car. And I think I attribute a lot of that to, um, me finding a little bit more pace is just, um, being able to relax because I know that, um, I've got the skills to go out there and, and, um, compete with you guys and run clean races. And, um, I, I think that's a lot of being able to calm down is just the building that confidence up over time. Um, but at the same time, I, I do have a little bit of a routine when I get in the car. Um, I always kind of run the race in my head a little bit and not necessarily put together a plan, but just start thinking through certain scenarios and, um, you know, what do you do if this happens? What do you do if that happens? Um, what are our passing opportunities on the racetrack? And I just start to, I start to play out those moments in my mind. And, and once I've kind of run through them, um, I can kind of feel like I've already done it. So it helps me to, to calm the nerves a little bit on track. Everybody should have a race start plan for sure. Yeah. And it's also, it's also nice because it, it, it turns into a routine and, once that routine starts to yield a little bit of success, then you're like, okay, this is my pre-race routine. This is working for me. This is how I find my rhythm. Nice. So all last season, um, again, especially at the beginning of last season, you were, wouldn't say timid, but I would say tentative. You were, getting up to pace you were you know not really gonna fight anybody for position but you'd look for opportunities and that slowly developed and you got more pace throughout the season and you got a little more comfortable running a little closer to people and then this year uh you're a different driver um (laughs) this year than you were at the end of last year and I I talked to you about that at AMP because coming out of CODA, it was pretty clear. And certainly now being behind you at AMP, um, thing, things, have, things have changed somewhat. Full disclosure, that's why I'm here because Scott told me how much better you've been doing. And I'm looking for like a superhero origin story God, you coming are- out of this. Ow. <laughs> Oh man. Uh, well, damn man, you've been paying attention, huh? Yeah. Um, oh yeah. That is exactly you, how. Well, uh, the the way you're driving, form led Brian and I to have a plan for you when you started behind him and next to me. <laughs> wow. So, which which actually went perfectly to plan for us, at least for like a lap until you just want my butt going into turn one. So that's fine. That- that you say that because i still even at amp um 
when we were showing some speed, I still go out there and I, and I don't think to myself like consciously that people out there are thinking about what I'm doing. I, I, I still, I still feel like I'm like working my, my, I'm finding myself, my place in the field, I guess. Um, but no, you're exactly right. That is exactly how last season was for me. And that's what it felt like. And I was comfortable with that. Yeah. Um, that was my first wheel to wheel season. And, you know, I, I was always, um, trying to be conscious of the reputation that I was building on track. Like I, I didn't want to, I didn't want to in any way, shape or form start to develop a conversation around me being, um, a reckless or unsafe or dirty driver. Uh, I really want and, and want to continue to build on, um, being a safe and clean racer. I'm, I'm not gonna, this is never going to be a job for me. It's never going to pay the bills i'm never going to have a sponsorship for penske none of that stuff's ever going to happen um this is a hobby for me and it's the most fun thing that i do and um part of the fun for me is being able to call it buddy racing and if i think or if i feel like there are drivers in the field that think i'm a a dirty racer or reckless then that takes a lot of the fun out of it for me Uh, i don't ever want to be that guy um so I think a lot of last year, I just, just really focused on, on running clean. Um, and at the same time, um, still developing my own kind of race craft and, and figuring out what I was comfortable with. And at the same time, we were doing a ton of development on the car. Every single weekend was a shakedown for me, a shakedown weekend for me last year. So, uh, every weekend we were showing up with different equipment than the weekend before. So building the confidence in the car, uh, as well as confidence in my driving ability was probably the, the two big focuses of last year. Um, so yeah, I, d- I did race timid. Um, and I, I was the first to give up position if things got tight or if I was in a spot that I wasn't confident I could make the car stick in that position or whatever it may be. I was, I was just out there still developing the car and developing myself. Um, we're still doing that today too. Um, but after the season was over, um, I met with Rob Fields, who's our engineer and uh, the primary sponsor for our car. Um, we had a little sit down after the season and we talked about, you know, what do we want 2022 to look like? And I really wanted to focus on hitting this season with both feet running. Um, so we focused on some very specific GLTC development things for the car as well as seat time for me in the off season. So we were going to events, um, to test the car. I was spending a ton of time in the sim. Um, and this year, um, I really want to focus on, you know, where do I fall into the field with my current skill set, and what do I need to work on to work my way into the pointy end of the field? So, um, it's just a lot of practice. Um, it's a lot of studying. It's a lot of pouring through data, things that I wasn't doing last year. Um, and I think that's all starting to come to a head now. And it's just kind of naturally turning into pace. So you've mentioned a couple times that you're, you're working on your own version of, of racecraft and, and how you are as a racer. Where, do you, where are you getting that from? Um, because it seems like you're working on it outside of GLTC weekends and then bringing that back in a lot of it is um seat time in the simulator um which is not my favorite practice uh i still feel like i'm not very good at it 
Um, and I haven't even, I haven't even started racing on like iRacing servers. It's all my, my exposure to racing on the simulator has all been AI. So I'm still really new at that as well. Um, but I think most of my racecraft development actually does come on GLTC weekends. Um, it's the, it's the only place where I can physically go out and race against, um, drivers that are, uh, really training towards the GLTC style of racing. Um, I think racecraft looks different amongst different series and, and I think ours is really special. So really GLTC weekends are, are the best opportunities for me to kind of develop that specific kind of racecraft. Um, but at, at the same time, um, I spend a lot of my free time just taking in, uh, as much, uh, of the racing study as I possibly can. I mean, I'm always watching racing. I'm always studying data. I mean, it's, it's become an obsession for me. Um, and I think all of that kind of rolls into one sort of, um, brand, if you will, of, of personal racecraft. You, you know, you've got your technical know-how, you've got your, um, I guess, book smarts on racing, if you will. And then you've got the actual, um, like physical talents as well, if you will. Um, but you can, you can, the sum of all those parts is, is really what becomes your own brand of racecraft, in my opinion. And what would you consider? Well, but before I get into that, so you, you talked about all the things in the off season that you, um, that you were working on. And I, I hear some things not wanting to be given up in terms of, uh, what you were doing to your car, which is fine. That's fine. It's fine. Have, have your secrets. Um, I was specifically asked by someone who shall not be named not to disclose too many development secrets on the car today, which is going to be really hard for me. <laughs> I get it. I get it. We'll talk off air. Um, but the I've I've been told by a good dear friend of mine that I have to get an SM. Um, and probably not for the reasons that I think I need to get into the sim. So my question to you would be, what specific things did you find the simulator to be helpful and useful for you? I would say, and whoever told you that is absolutely right. Um, and this is coming from somebody who still thinks he's terrible on the sim and isn't entirely sold on um the i don't know if you want to call it the direct results or whatever uh of being in the sim but it it absolutely will help you with general car control even if you're just out there on the sim doing hot laps um with no other cars out there um not having the physical sensation of the g-forces in your body um the sounds and vibrations of the car, the sensations through the steering wheel, what you can feel through your shoes and the pedals, um, being deprived of all of those things that you and I can feel when we're out on track, um, really forces you to focus on the, the visual cues. Um, and to some extent the audio cues on the simulator can be helpful. Um, 
but it, it really helps, I, I guess, force your mind to experience um, like G forces and, and the rotation of the car in a different way because you're not physically feeling those those forces, um, but it does present them to you visually. Uh, so you start to, you start to kind of make the connection, um, and kind of connect all the dots to, to the overall picture of, um, I guess you just call it car control. Cause that, that's really what I walked away feeling more comfortable with after, you know, probably 200 some odd hours in the simulator over the off season. Um, I felt like, I mean, I, it was even, it was apparent on our very first test day in February, I got in the car, I went out warm the tires up on the first couple laps. And then just, I was like, I'm just going to take this next lap. I know the tires, the temps and pressures are up. We're good. Um, I just went out and, and like full Senate at Barber um, just to kind of see if things felt different to me. And it, it literally just felt like a more natural comfort in the car immediately. And I hadn't been in the car in probably three months. Um, and I was right out of the, right out of the gate during testing this off season, I was faster. Um, so I'm curious to see what more exposure in the sim is going to yield because it's paid off in massive dividends the last couple of months. So almost having, I, I think what I hear you saying is having some of your senses deprived from specifically tactile sensations deprived in the simulator forces you to rely on, um, your sense of vision and your auditory sensation to some degree, but by honing those specifically that then when you get in the car and you add that in with the tactile sensations, then it just clicks for you better. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's like, let's see, what's it, what's a good, what's a good metaphor. It, it's, when you get in the car after all that time on the sim and all of a sudden you're given all of those physical sensations back and all those, those physical cues, um, it's just the icing on the cake because you've spent enough time in the sim to figure out how to be, you know, fast on a hot lap. Um, given the, the visual tools that the simulator gives you. And then you go out in your car and you're given, all of these extra tools that you didn't have for the last, you know, however many months you've been training on the sim. And, um, it, it just feels like you have an abundance more at your disposal in the car, um, versus when you're just on the sim, it, it's, it's, uh, you know, feeling the communication of the tires through the steering wheel, um, feeling what the racing surface feels like through the pedals when you're hard into a braking zone. All that stuff is taken from you in the sim, and when you're given it back physically, um, it's just all the much all that much more to work with, uh, and it, it trans to me it translates into comfort. So you come into this season running, as you say. Uh, I think you had a pretty pretty fun weekend at Coda. At least it looks like you. Uh, it was awesome. Yeah, and then. You go to AMP. Has your ch goal or hopes for GLTC changed this year with the competitiveness of the car having, again, continued support from Rob and a little more seat time under your belt? Have my goals changed? 
I don't think they've changed and I'm hesitant to change them because I had one good weekend at AMP. Um, a lot, there's a lot of work left to do this season and I don't want to discount that. Uh, not to mention, um, there's a lot of talent in the field that we were missing at AMP. Uh, and there's, uh, no way you can discount that. Um, however, I will stick true to uh, my original goals this season, um, which I think is is super achievable for me. And um, I think it'd be a good jumping off point for the next season as well. But um, I would really, really like to finish uh, in the top 15 of the, the season points by the end of the season, which I think is doable. Um, I think we got the pace to be there. I know we've got the car to be there. Um, and we'll be at every event except for one this season. So, uh, by volume alone, um, if we can have some good finishes and consistent finishes and, um, not have a ton of DNFs over the course of the season, I think that's an attainable goal. Um, but I will say I did get a whiff of what could have been a podium finish at AMP. And, uh, I'd be lying if that didn't smell like blood in the water to me. So you like that, eh? Yeah, that was uh, an exciting moment for me, followed by massive heartbreak. <laughs> uh, <laughs> regardless, um, I think there might be some events um, where, you know, all the stars might line up where we've got a smaller field, the right conditions, the cars, the cars, you know, running like it should be um, over the course of the weekend. And, and I've hit my stride. If all those things can happen, um, maybe we can steal a podium this year and that would be awesome. Um, but if not, I think my, I think my season goal of finishing top 15 in the points is doable and I would just be over the moon happy with that. Let's talk about AMP. Oh God. Okay. <laughs> we sure can. So you, um, I might here <laughs> do what now? I said, I might need to grab another beer. <laughs> um, you qualified, pretty decent and yeah. then it rains race one and we yeah. know it's it's been raining for hours we know it's going to be wet there's no question in your mind um your first wheel-to-wheel race weekend ever you wrecked your car you are tentative in the wet yet here we are how'd that go for you <laughs> It went so much better than I could have ever even hoped for. Um, I think a lot of it, a lot of my success I found in race one at AMP um, was because, again, all of the exposure that I've had uh, in wet racing between then and now had, had still been at Mid-Ohio, which I can't think of a better training ground to figure out how to drive a car in the rain than at that place. Um, but I, I, I'd be lying if I said that every time it rains and we're going out that that weekend at road America isn't lingering somewhere in the back of my mind because it is. Um, but at the same time, I've still got that mindset where if I'm not confident in something like racing in the wet, um, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to try to run a clean race and I'm going to keep the car under control and I'm going to bring it back in one piece because I'm not rebuilding it again. I'm just not. So I do have, I did have, and, and I still tell myself, I've got the luxury of going out there and just 
if if it if finishing the race clean means giving up positions, then that's what it's going to be. Um, but I was feeling confident at AMP. Um, I'd gotten to drive the track the day before in damp conditions, so that was kind of a, a nice little practice nugget for me. Even though it wasn't stopping wet like it was for race one, um, I did get to learn how that racing surface drives when it's a little bit damp. So I had that in the back of my mind to lean on, but really I just, for race one, I was just uh, telling myself I'm going to go out there and I'm going to give myself the the outlap to kind of try a few things and see what this spot on the track feels like and that spot on the track feels like, and um, we'll work up to pace from there during the race. Uh, and on the, the, when the green flag dropped on the first lap, I was feeling pretty confident and, um, with the exception, I think it was Tom and Andy who were just absolutely gone yeah, right they, out of the, they checked out. Yeah, they were just gone. Uh, I couldn't even see their spray by like the second lap. They were just, they walked us. Um, but the, the, I could kind of feel the field wasn't pushing super hard. Nobody was taking a ton of like risky chances. So I felt comfortable where I was. And then after a couple laps, I kind of started to feel out the track where I could push the car some more. Um, and I think just kind of slowly building up that confidence, I was able to push a little bit harder here and a little bit harder here and move that braking zone back another 10 feet or whatever. Um, and, and kind of find that fast line around that track when it was wet. Um, and it just added up to a really good race for me. Actually, I gained a position, um, on another experienced driver that I was really proud of. Um, and I did it cleanly, uh, and it was just through, um, constant pressure and, and waiting for my, my opportunity, um, rather than, you know, trying to force things to happen. Um, and if I can, if I can make that, that kind of race happen, every wet race that we run, I'll be really happy with that. Cause that was a great race for me and a big confidence booster. I bet. And I think it should be, the track is super high grip in the wet. Um, I was it's really way <laughs> i i was shocked like um some places had more than others certainly where there wasn't a river um but outside of that like you could go inside you could go outside it just didn't really seem to care that much it was compared to you know just trying to make it around the track at mid ohio and in, in the wet like it was just a com- it was just a completely different sensation and it was a lot of fun yeah what tires were you on for that race I was on the Michelins. Were you? Yeah. They, they're great for bigger, heavier cars like yours too. They are. And, and specifically for the rain, um, I had kind of come through back to DE. I'd kind of come through all of my DE years running that tire. Um, and I'd run that in the wet probably more than anything else. So I kind of knew what to expect from the tire as well. And then just the added bonus of it being, um, a great racing surface in the wet uh, just really added up to me being comfortable. And I think that's what ultimately led us to have in the race that we did. And you stayed in front of Brian, which uh, is saying something. He Brian, you know, Brian in, in the wet low grip conditions is kind of his yeah. element. Yeah. He, uh, he's a hell of a wheel man. Um, he was doing the same thing to me that I think I did to Paul Curley, which was just, I mean, he was always right there just waiting for me to make a mistake. 
Um, and honestly, I think if we'd have had one more lap, I think Brian had me. So thank God that race ended when it did. <laughs> oh, I hope he hears this. Um, uh, race two in the damp. Um, that went, that went pretty well, I think. Um, so I want to kind of jump forward a little bit into race three for you. Um, and that's when, that's when you, you, that's when you got hit. Yeah. And, and I don't, I don't want to make too big of a thing out of that because, um, that was one of those things where actually, I think, I think it was, um, wasn't it you and him racing up the front stretch when that happened on the second lap? I was, I was in between the two of you. Okay. All right. So I thought, I thought, cause I, I thought I had both of you guys in my mirrors right before that happened. Um, but that was just, I mean, you guys were pushing really hard. So was I, I had blown that braking zone a couple times over the course of the weekend as well. Just trying to find pace right there and, and try to be a little bit faster through turn one. Um, so I made the, I had made the same mistake that, that Paul did several times over the course of week of the weekends. It just, it, the, as luck would have it, my mistakes didn't have any consequences and his just happened to be my rear bumper. Um, and on top of that, uh, as soon as the race was over, he came and found me and he couldn't have handled it with, with any more class. Um, so I, as, as much as I hated that, that ended our race because we had the, the rear bumper cover hanging off the car. Um, it, as far as, you know, back to buddy racing, as far as buddy racing goes, um, that was handled about as good as I could have hoped for. Um, take, take notes drivers. yeah, Yeah, exactly. Um, but, and, and frankly, you know, I might be on the other side of that conversation one day, um, where I have an incident because I, I just pushed a little bit too hard, made a mistake. Um, and I, my hope is that, you know, when that day comes, the, the victim of my mistake will handle it the same way I did, you know, with, with some, with some grace and try to remember that we're all friends at the end of the day. Yep. And then was it race four that's uh fuel pump relay or uh, something? God. Race four. Yeah, that was race four. Unfortunately, the way we ended the weekend, uh, I don't know how much you want me to go into that. I mean, uh, it's pain. We want you to talk uh, about it. That's what we're here I, for. I think what well, I'm, I think what I'm getting at here, and I, yeah, I'm, I've, I've got a roadmap here, is your what feels like you came into the weekend and with your success in race one and race two being a big confidence boost for you. You at the end of the Saturday at after race four, you were not doing great. Yeah. Um and, and I, I want and I want to hear I want to hear from you like going into this weekend, like having some like really significant successes, I think, in several different areas. Um, why did that hit you quite so hard and that's not supposed to be uh, a, a pun or anything. <laughs> well, luckily, nothing nothing in race four hit me. I made it through race four without body contact, thank God. Uh, but you're, you're talking about you're talking about the how it ended, right? Yeah, I'm just like you. You were mopey. Yeah, you were straight yeah. up mopey at the. I'm I, which Seth is laughing because he knows who I am as a human yes. being. Scott knows mopey. Scott's Scott's king of mopey. King of mopey. I love it. 
Uh, well, thank God you didn't see me when I got out of the car because you were still on track during the race. I was, uh, I was at a, an emotional high right there, and it was a conflicting emotional high because of how well the race was going and how quickly it was just like ripped away from me. Um, when when race four started, I had to start in like P seventeen or P eighteen because we didn't finish race three. Um, so I started in the back with with Paul, um, and we had you know, in my opinion, race two didn't go all that well for me. I gave up a few spots that I shouldn't have. And then race three, we DNF. So the weekend, uh, two out of the three races of the weekend had kind of not fallen our way. Um, so I, I was just starting in the back. I kind of went out there. When I closed my visor, I kind of had a casual approach to the race. I was like, you know, we're starting in the back. The race is only, you know, 15, 20 minutes long. How much can we do? Um, so I was like, let's just go out there, have fun. I have to figure out how to pass a giant minivan, which on that track is like trying to figure out how to pass a bus. And that uh, thing so can I'm stop. What's that? And that thing can stop. It, it, it can. And it's it's so weird. Like you see it out on track and you're like, that shouldn't be here. And then it's actually a competitive car. Yeah. Uh, not to mention trying to find your way around it is not exactly the easiest thing to do either. Um, but so we're starting in the back and I guess overall my, my mindset was just like, let's go have a fun race and see what happens. Um, but I knew if I was, if I wanted to go and mix it up, um, you know, I had, I had the time constraint in the back of my mind. So I was like, I want to get up there with, you know, let's go try to find Scott or whoever and, and, um, and do some racing. And I wanted to get up there as quick as I could. Um, so when we went out on our outlap, um, I, I didn't really have much of a game plan other than just kind of take the opportunities as they came to me. I really didn't even think I was going to get like a top 10 finish. Um, but when the green flag drops and the race started, um, I had a big opportunity going into turn one right out of the gate and picked up a few spots. Um, and the whole, the whole race still feels like a blur to me. Like, I don't remember for the first like four or five laps, I can barely remember like individual instances I just remember like after I picked off four or five spots and I was like sitting right outside the top 10, I was like, okay, let's go get a top 10. And then all of a sudden I was sitting like P eight or whatever, like before the first lap had even ended. Um, so knowing how much race there was left by the end of the first lap, I was like, okay, let's go, let's go out here and have some fun. Um, and then by the end of the second lap, <laughs> and I remember, I remember I started to like, feel like I was coming into the zone. Like the race started to feel like it was coming into more focus for me. Uh, and I started to find this rhythm and it felt fast. Like it just physically felt fast. Um, so it was kind of a sensation that I hadn't quite felt before. Um, and I was, I, I could feel myself getting more focused. And I remember my wife coming on the radio. Um, I was, I can't remember who I passed, but she came on to like, tell me like, Hey, good, good move. And I, I just remember getting back on the radio and I was like, stay off the radio, please. <laughs> I, yep. I was, I don't even think I said, please. I think I was just like, stay off the radio. <laughs> I was just so focused. Like the, the race, the, 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 the vibe of the race changed so fast. Um, and by, by, I think it was the start of the second lap. I was sitting P five and I was coming up on Zach Lavoie and, and Emil tab. Um, who were having a really great fight, but that fight was letting me get close to them. Um, and I think Emil was sitting P4 and Zach was sitting P3. Um, 
And by the fourth or fifth lap, um, I'd kind of closed the gap to them. Um, and I had Robert Thorne behind me pushing me and we were laying down some lightning fast laps. And when I started to realize there was only like five minutes left in the race, I was like, Holy crap. Like I know where I can make a move on Zach and Emil. If, if that opportunity presents itself, um, cause I knew my car was strong in a few places on that track and it, there was a very real shot at me stealing a podium and it would have been an absolute steal because in my opinion, I'm just not there yet. So having that carrot like dangled out in front of me and having it so close and then <laughs> that fuel pump relay died with like two or three laps left in the race. And I, I, I saw Robert Thorne going go around me and I was just like, I, I, I didn't know at the time what the problem was. And all I'm getting, all I'm getting on my dash is uh, a low fuel pressure error from from my race dash, and I'm like yelling at Rob over the radio, like, did we forget to put fucking gas in this thing? Like, I'm like screaming at Rob. I'm watching everybody go by me, um, and I'm still thinking about the the opportunity to possibly go steal that podium, which would have been my first ever, and in my opinion, way premature, and it would have just been like the sweetest treat just dropped into my lap. Um, and when it all, when it all came to a very abrupt end, that was not within anybody's control. It just felt like I had my heart ripped out. Yeah. <laughs> Racing can be a son of a bitch sometimes. Yes, it can. And you just happened to catch me at like the mopiest moment because it started off as like rage. It almost felt like rage quitting, even though it wasn't my conscious decision to quit. Uh, and then it was just uh, like, I, I remember I had to leave my car over by the, the fuel tanks on the other side of the garages. Cause I didn't have power to get back to the paddock. I remember getting out of the car and like walking my way across the paddock and there's, all these people asking like, Hey, what happened? Why aren't you out there? And I'm like, Oh my God, like I got to get away from this. So I ended up walking like halfway over to the go-kart track and Scott caught me on my like mopey walk back to the paddock. <laughs> See, that's why the formula one drivers keep their, keep your helmet on, keep your visor down. That's yeah, a, it's a learned thing. Yeah. Yeah. You, yeah. You just do this and be like, yeah, right. I can't hear you. Sorry. Remember um, that. Yeah. Now, it's it's interesting to me to hear you say that, like you're fighting for the podium in your head, and on track, and that you don't feel like you belong there. You don't see yourself there. Yet presented with that opportunity, and to feel like the opportunity was closed for you triggered quite a quite a substantial response and i don't i'm not saying that's inappropriate at all um i'm just i find it interesting that it's like man i don't belong here but i can get it crap i can't get anymore damn i want you know and then all of a sudden like you may not recognize yourself in that but like you wanted it so badly yet and in that wanting something that you don't recognize yourself in is that would that have been like some sort of a justification for you like some sort of like i want to find myself there like i'm what what is that 
I think that that speaks to like just the the natural competitiveness of any racer on any level. I mean, we're doing it on like the smallest like buddy racing club level. Um, and I think if if any GLTC driver looks at you in the face and tells you that they're not competitive out there and not trying to do the best that they can, they're just lying. Um, I don't think, I don't think there is a real racer on the face of the planet that doesn't have some sort of competitive bone in their body. And we didn't pick up racing just because it's fun. We picked up racing because the competitiveness of it makes it fun. Um, and getting to go out and do it with your friends and know that they care about you having a good race as much as you care about them having a good race is just the best version of that. Um, so to your point, I think it would have, it wouldn't have justified me being there per se. Um, and I, I don't think that if it would have happened, I don't think it would have set like this expectation that that's where I'm supposed to be in this field. Um, I think it was more of, I know and knew at the moment that at this point in my driving career, those opportunities are only going to come so many times. Um, I don't have the same experience as other drivers in the field. Um, so I think me being presented that kind of opportunity is really limited. Um, at least until I have a lot more seat time and have a lot more opportunity to develop my, my racecraft. Um, so I think that's kind of why it stung more than I anticipated was because I wasn't ready for it. Um, I didn't think that's where I was going to end up not only that weekend, but in that race in particular, I didn't think that's where I'd end up in the field. Um, I didn't think that opportunity was going to present itself right then. Um, but me being competitive in nature, when that door was shown to me and I thought I had an opportunity to open it, um, you know, you get, you get that excitement and that anticipation and you get that, that like bloodlust almost to go after that objective. Um, and I, in the moment, um, I really felt a, a confidence that I had, um, an opportunity to make a clean move in a, in a few parts of that track that I felt really good on. Um, and then it was just so suddenly that opportunity and that door closed so fast. Um, I was on such an emotional high just from making my way through the field as effectively and fast as I did. Um, that when it all happened or all, it all ended so suddenly it just, it was just like this emotional drop off. It was just like super high and then plane crashed down to ground level. <laughs> so a week on. You've got some time and distance separating you now. How do you how do you look at that experience? Has it changed at all? Oh yeah, definitely. I mean it's still it still sucks. Like the the sucky taste is still there. Um the sucky but, taste. <laughs> yeah, that's cut that. Cut that. <laughs> uh when I when I have now that I've had the opportunity to kind of reflect on it, um, there were a lot of promising and, um, to steal your word, validating moments over the course of that weekend. Um, you know, we, we kind of 
showed our grit over the course of the weekend. Um, we definitely showed our improvement, I believe, not only just as me as a driver, but the whole team, like like Rob and the the trackside support that he brings with him, um, were really firing on all cylinders that weekend. Um, so we had we had a great trackside support rhythm going. Um, I was finding some sp- some pace and getting comfortable at that track. Um, so I forget what we were, what I, I rambled, I forgot what we were talking about a week on has your outlook on that experience oh, changed. Yeah. So that's kind of where I was going with that. Um, there, there are plenty of positives to take away from the weekend. Um, I think we're doing a lot of things right as a unit right now, and that's all starting to pay off on track. Um, so, you know, as time goes by, the pain goes away from from that moment in race four. But um, it just makes me all the more excited about what how much of the season is left and what we can bring to the table on the racetrack. Um, because I think building off the momentum we've had the last couple weekends, I, I think we've I think we're really going to surprise some people this weekend or or this season rather, and in a good way. You're doing NCM, I assume. Yeah, and I, I'm really excited about it. We're we're gonna have uh, uh, a test day before with Ben's track day, which I think is gonna be a great opportunity for for me to be able to hit the ground running for the GLTC weekend and and be up to pace by the time you know we're ready to start racing on Friday. And then after that, is it Midwest Fest? Yeah, I think that's what early the first weekend of June, something like that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yep. I think we're going to be at every GLTC event except uh, NJMP this this year. Okay. Okay. With your experiences from Coda and AMP, you know, I, I hear you saying that, you know, the team is really kind of clicking and doing well and that you want to, or that you think you'll surprise some people. What are you hoping for specifically? Like, are there like measurables? Not necessarily, not necessarily finishing, but like, what, what, what do you want to do after nearly having a podium? Well, so again, I really, I really want my focus to still just be running clean races. Um, I just want to do them faster, uh, and the results from there will kind of come naturally so i think rather than focusing on a position result or a fast lap result um i want to build up to finding opportunities to race with the fast drivers in our field um whether it's because i qualified well or finished a race well and i'm up there with them or if maybe they didn't have the race they wanted and they're back there a little bit with me I want to be able to to find the the Toms and the Jeremys of the field and the Andys of the field, um, and even if it's just for a lap, um, get up there and race with drivers that are faster than me um, and have sharper racecraft and sharper skills than I do, because I think that's really my best opportunity to learn. And it's not going to come to me on that lap, but um, exposure to that here, exposure to that there. Uh, add it all up and all of a sudden you've been presented with a lot of opportunity to improve. Um, and I think that's ultimately what I want my goal to be for this year. 
What's it like having your wife on the uh, on the radio for you? I feel comfortable. Um, I think at first it took a little bit of time for us to gel. She was a little bit gun shy being on the radio a lot, um, was worried about messing up my race and blah, blah, blah. Um, but in reality, she was really good at it right out of the gate. Um, and she's only gotten better as, as far as communicating on the radio. And um, we've been through a lot together. We've been together um, since high school. So I think like six going on 16 years now or something like that. So we've spent a ton of time together and we've been through a lot of highs and a lot of lows, uh, which you'll have that in racing too, a lot of highs and a lot of lows. Um, so having her in the car with me, essentially every race we go out there, um, just makes me feel comfortable in that whatever happens, um, I'm going to have my other half there with me to experience it with me. And, um, we've always helped each other through the hard times and celebrated the good times. Um, and I think that having her be my spotter, um, is just kind of the, I don't know how you want to say it. Um, it's, it's how it should be in my mind. She's, she's always had my back and I know she'll have it when I'm out there on the racetrack. That warms my heart. (laughs) It's just wholesome, you know? Sound like a freaking Hallmark card. So sappy. I mean, (laughs) this was the guy, too, who, like, organized a huge GLTC field to go out and do parade laps just so we could park on the start-finish line. It was a whole thing, wasn't it? It was was a thing. (laughs) Well, the the truth of it is... uh, there's absolutely no way I'd be doing this without her. Um, the The weekends at the track wouldn't be as fun without her, even if she wasn't as involved as she is. Um, they're a great opportunity for us to just go out and experience life as a family. Um, and, you know, the, the weekends end up being half racing, which is all for me, and, and half, you know, buddy hang and making friends, which is for us as a unit. Um, so she gets something out of it too. And, and at the end of the day, when, um, the, the track's quiet and everybody's hanging out, it's, uh, just good bonding time for my wife and I. So, um, the, the race weekends are, have kind of become a family thing for us. And it's, uh, something that we come to enjoy. And I certainly wouldn't be, um, I certainly wouldn't have the same approach and, and probably wouldn't be racing GLTC if I didn't have her support with me throughout the weekend. Well, you guys definitely did miss out on karaoke. Um, that was that was a big uh, mistake on your part. So that's I. Uh, if you guys want my wife to jump on karaoke, um, it's your funeral. <laughs> Are you saying your wife's a bad singer? My wife will tell you she's a bad singer. I will double down on that and tell you that she's the worst singer I've ever heard in my life. Well, you can. She has weaknesses that's not one of them you you just come hang out and like <laughs> it, it basically turned into a dance party like halfway through anyway it'll be it'll be a treat if you throw on toto africa and just let her have at it it'll be a treat for everybody okay challenge accepted <laughs> um well hey. who where can people find you is there anybody you want to say hi to and plug um, well, first I'd, I'd love to take this opportunity to, to, uh, speak my praises about Rob Fields and Fields Auto Works. Um, 
they're a massive piece of the success we're having right now and absolutely critical in my development over the last two years. Um, it's, uh, you know, having Rob as a resource, um, not only for the track side uh, support, but also the the engineering and development on the car um, has been invaluable. And it's a huge shot in the arm um, for me getting it up to pace uh, as quickly as I have. Um, so can't say enough about Rob Fields and Fields Auto Works. Um, they definitely deserve uh, a lot of credit here. Um, and outside of that, uh, I just like to say hey to the GLTC fam and um, – I, I really can't tell you guys how much I've enjoyed the last couple of years um, finding GLTC and building the relationships that I've built um, and all of the memories I've made so far, uh, even in just a short amount of time have, has been the coolest thing I've ever done. Um, and I, I really want to just say thank you to grid life as an, as an organization um, and to the guys that re- you and I race with every weekend um thank you for making this what it is because it's just the coolest thing i could possibly imagine well and i think kudos to you you've always had a positive outlook um you're encouraging and try to build relationships with the other drivers which is always good to see um and all you're you're never somebody i have to worry about on track which and I, is great about you. I, yeah, exactly. It is great. Um, and that, <laughs> to your point, that's one of the things I worry about at, uh, like, like out of, out of region events when we've got a bunch of new drivers is I, I, I hope that they buy into the, um, vibe that we're pitching as far as a racing series, because that, I think that's what makes, um, GLTC so special in that, uh, by and large, um, we can go out there and push each other and push ourselves, um, and all be confident that we all have the same objectives. Um, and I think that's what makes GLTC so fun, uh, is the competitiveness and the, um, you know, almost team spirit that it brings with it. For sure. We are at track walking podcast on Facebook and Instagram. Track walking chats is the Facebook group. Um, Rate us, review us, thumbs up, smash the subscribe button. I don't know. We don't really do that kind of here, but, you know, you can smash it if you want to, I guess. I don't know. Um, Well, Colton, best of luck uh, rest of this season. And um, for the three of us, I'm Scott. I'm Seth. I'm Colton. We'll talk to you next week. 